Hello everybody and welcome to the Sam's Report. Uh, what, oh geez, June is over. Rip June. Um, yeah, so that has uh, multiple implications. Obviously June is over, but this really just means that it's the end of Microsoft's fiscal year and we'll get to uh, why that's important here in just a minute, but obviously I'm back at home finally, thankfully, and all that good stuff. No longer in Amsterdam, although I suspect that I will be back at some point. Yeah. And you'll notice there, I, I've changed things up here a little bit in this, in the office, in the studio, um, all that good stuff, whatever you want to call it. So I, this is the Surface Studio behind me and I use it quite a bit. It used to be back here and I used this thing as my, uh, insider machine. And I was like, you know what? It's a pain in the butt. I, this sounds so lazy to be able to walk over there, but now I can just turn around and it's always running. Um, and it's sitting right there. And so I do use this thing just about every single day. And I moved it over here. I might, this is actually an old desk. I actually built this desk with my dad before I went to college. So um, no screws or anything you can see. There's wood fasteners and holding it all together. More than likely going to replace this with a white desk that I use for everything else just because it matches and it kind of fills, I don't know, whatever. Um, I put a little Philips Hue lighting behind there so it's nice and red. I can change all that if I really want to. I'd like to actually at some point, ooh, it's kind of hard to do this, uh, up there like, make this whole wall be able to like change colors if I really want to. I might do that, but um, Philips Hue Lighting, I have a love-hate relationship with it. it. It works, but it's not cheap, and it's honestly not the best stuff on the market. But uh, yeah, so switched up a little bit here. Did the one thing I said I should never do before a podcast, screwed with the lighting, and so I, I think I got it fixed, but it was a little dark to uh, <laughs> right before things kicked off. But um, a busy week this week with Microsoft stuff, right? It, it's Even though it's the fiscal year end, Microsoft is shoving things out the door. And so for all of you, and I know this is a large group of you, just kidding, uh, who are really wanting to know about enterprise stuff, Microsoft finally kind of peeled back that layer of the onion and said, okay, you know what, the fall creators update, despite the fact that this is the second time we've called something the creators update, and we still think that creators aren't people who are really in the corporate world, they are including actually quite a bit of enterprise features. Uh, we now have Exploit Guard, which I wrote up a while ago. But it's actually in what's known as EMET, or Enhanced Mitigation Experience Toolkit, is now going to be built natively into Windows 10. Uh, Windows Defender uh, Device Guard, this feature will now be included uh, into Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection. And Windows Defender uh, Application Guard, for those who aren't familiar with it, uh, sorry, Application Guard, is that browser detonation feature. Microsoft actually showed this back off at Ignite in 2016. Yeah. And we all thought it was going to come in Redstone 2, but clearly it got delayed and now it's showing up in Redstone 3. And the other big thing that's coming with uh, Redstone 3 this fall is called Windows Autopilot. And really what this is, this is a suite of technologies. Uh, there's also Windows Autopilot uh, deployment program. And so when you work with an OEM such as Microsoft, OE, uh, Dell, Acer, HP, any of those guys, you can, and you're building corporate machines, what they can do is they can actually set up a machine before it ships to you that connects to your Azure Active Directory, Intune, and mobile device management stuff, all of that, before it even gets to the user. And so what this means is that IT doesn't really have to do as much provisioning and they're claiming and they are claiming this that now you can just give a brand new laptop to an employee they can pull it out of the box and it will open up be provisioned it will download all the line of business applications all your office 365 stuff if you're part of pro plus and just be up and running and th that's kind of the dream right you pull the device out of the box and it's ready for corporate world or at least the it doesn't have to get involved with provisioning uh the other thing that this includes is what's called autopilot reset and there's been things similar like this but what they're saying this allows you to do is to automatically reset a device uh back to a known good configuration 
addition that's still connected to Intune and the mobile device management suite without losing any of those policies. So the user, in theory, could reset their machine on their own, again, without having to go to IT and waste their time. And then there's also another thing called device health, which is part of the Windows Analytics, which will identify poor drivers or bad performing things. The idea being that it is supposed to proactively try to prevent uh, a machine crashing before it does. And so a user can go and look and say, hey, you know what, my machine's running sluggish, and hopefully that will give them some insight rather than having to call the IT shop and saying, hey, my laptop's slow, uh, and, and going from that. So actually, that, that is quite a bit of stuff. And people keep asking why there aren't like massive features every time for the enterprise. You got to remember that when building enterprise features, it's not like uh, building something for the consumer where you can just add acrylic or, or change up the UI. Like the corporate users don't care about that. And those things are relatively easy. Enterprise features are much longer to build out, uh, much more intense uh, testing cycles and all that stuff. So it's harder for them to shove out new features twice a year. But you know what? Here we are. Fall Creators Update coming soon, maybe? Um, and the reason why I say this is so Microsoft this week pushed out Windows 10 Insider Preview Build 16232 and it added all these security features. But one thing that they said with this, um, and I find this very interesting, is that they're no longer going to be pushing app updates to this branch and that they want you to run what's in the current release. And so here's there's two theories about this. One is that Microsoft is about to make some big changes to the underpinnings of the store and they don't want to screw it up with all these rapid release stuff. That's one possible theory. Uh, but Paul actually pointed out and he's like, you know what, maybe they're locking down to ship this thing. And that's honestly might be not a bad theory because if you think about it, Microsoft said this thing should be shipping or be completed in September. And so it's like, yeah, September is a long time away, but they just pushed in tons of features. I mean, just the past three builds have had tons of stuff. And so if they are going to start locking this down, it makes sense because they typically reserve about six weeks or so for bug smashing. And so six weeks takes us, uh, that's all of August, and that puts you about the middle of July. And you're thinking, well, Brad, we still got a couple more weeks till the middle of July. Yes, but next week in the U.S. is that... Uh, it's the 4th of July, so that week's kind of a wash. And we're also at fiscal year end, so things are a little bit busy. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if this is Microsoft starting to just kind of say, you know what, we're going to get to a feature lock state, and that's going to be the end of it. And so I, I think we're getting very, very close to them, not signing off, that's a long ways out, but actually just kind of saying, hey, we're about done. The only kind of hiccup here is that traditionally, when Microsoft says like 1709, it would actually, sh and that's uh, September, of 17. That's how that works. 17 is the year and then 09 is the month. Traditionally, how it happened is that they would sign off on it in September and then it would ship in October. This has happened many times uh, with the anniversary update. Just about every single update is signed off on a month and shipped. And maybe they're switching that up. Um, I, I don't quite know, but it, it seems like honestly the bugs that are in the fall creators update are like show stopping. I mean, yes, there are some not fun things, but at the same time, I, I can't imagine that if Microsoft thinks, hey, we're in a good state, they're just gonna ship it. Um, wh why drag this thing out? And in theory, again, in theory, each of these updates should get a little bit easier and a little bit faster because they're only adding certain components and they should be able to troubleshoot and bug, or, or smash those bugs faster and they should get better at this process, which means that, hey, these things should materialize a little bit quicker. So that actually might be what is happening here with that stuff. And if it is, I hope so. Um, on the other side of that, this machine that I'm podcasting from still doesn't have the original creators update. I, I'm not gonna force it onto this machine, but I'm curious to know why. I think they said around 35% uh, have it right now. So obviously there's still a long way to go, but you would have to think that they would want 
creators update to be at 100% before they start shipping the next one, I would think. So if they are going to do that, they, they don't have much time. They really got to start ramping this rollout if if they're going to kind of meet that deadline. It just seems weird that the fall creators update comes out and then people still don't have the actual creators update. And so uh, I don't think they would bundle them together or make you jump. That's an interesting scenario if you think about it, actually. Okay, so the fall creators update, some people don't have the original creators update. Is it going to wait and then roll them up through the two or is it just going to make the jump? I don't actually know. I bet it would just make the jump would be my guess but we don't have a definitive answer on that. Very, very interesting question. Uh, other things that happened this week, Microsoft acquired Cloudin, uh, C-L-O-U-D-Y-N. Essentially what this company does is allows you to optimize your cloud usage. Uh, it works with Azure, uh, AWS, Google Cloud, works with containers, uh, works with just all the major players. And essentially what it allows you to do is that if you have uh, stuff deployed on Azure and AWS and all that stuff, it can look at what you're using and your performance and all that and your spend on it and say, hey, you know what, you don't really need that tier of a VM, you don't need that type of storage, and help you just kind of save money. So essentially, Microsoft bought a product that's going to help people save money on using their products. It makes sense. I know you're kind of thinking maybe, but yeah, but they want people to spend as much as possible, but um, really what they want is happy customers and high revenue customers, but happy first because then that means they're not going to leave. So... Um, no word on when that's going to close or the price, but this has been rumored for quite a while and Microsoft is finally making it official. Uh, other things that came out this week, French regulators say that Windows 10 now conforms to their privacy laws. So I, I'm assuming that this is the regu the, the security updates. That I think they pushed out with the creators update. When you set up a new machine, you can have those little toggles that turn things off and on. And the French are now saying that is okay. And yeah. Okay, let's kind of dive into the more fun things that have happened this week. So, uh, this week there's been, I, I might mispronounce this, but there's been another malware thing. Remember, we had one encrypt, and now we have, I, I'm going to pronounce it Petya, uh, P-E-T-Y-A, malware. And this is, again, this is one of those things that's going crazy because people haven't patched correctly. It's uh, using the SMB1 uh, known vulnerability to spread. And so... The, the real thing here is you got to patch your systems. Microsoft actually came out today and said that the Petya virus spreading, actually, they, in their opinion, they don't think it was actually as big as OneEcrypt. But again, this is another just massively spreading, fast-acting wildfire uh, malware, essentially, at the end of the day. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, if you're a home user, I mean, anybody can be impacted by this, but hopefully nobody was. Hopefully your machines are all up to date. If you're running Windows 10, you should be fine, I think, as long as you're not actively using SMB1, but I believe Microsoft even patched that. And so if you go back a few weeks... Uh, if you go back a few weeks, Microsoft warned of nation states using this vulnerability. I think this is an old CIA backdoor that finally got out and just kind of shows that these um, these things are incredibly dangerous. And they're impacting hospitals and uh, data centers and power plants. So it's, you know what, patch your freaking systems. And the theory is, is like, you know, if people are worried about patching because that might bring downtime to their system. But... If you don't patch, then you're also risking bringing downtime to your system eventually. So it's, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But now you're starting to understand why Microsoft is being so aggressive about these cumulative update patching. Not only is it going to make things easier on their end, uh, knock on wood, we haven't heard any major incidents of a patch going out and crippling systems at a broad scale like we had heard, I want to say, 18 months ago-ish. And so maybe Microsoft is really starting to get this stuff done. And uh, this, is why they're, this is why they're being so aggressive about it. I, I totally get this. And... The thing is, is if 
even Windows XP gets hit with this stuff, which it has, Microsoft still gets blamed for it, whether or not that's right or wrong. And it's an unfortunate place for them because th there's nothing they can do. They don't want to support Windows XP. They charge clients that they are supporting them uh, tons of money. And so, yeah. <sighs> Anyways. So, any hopefully nobody listening to this got got uh, impacted by that but again it just kind of shows goes to show that things are going crazy but um other things that are going on in the microsoft world this week today i think today is literally the last day of the fiscal year for microsoft and you're, you're probably asking why is that a big deal so a couple little insights it's a big deal for the sales team because obviously they want to get all their sales done in this year because then they get nice bonuses for the uh, over the summer and they want to get things locked up for the fiscal year end. that's always a big time in any company but it's also a big time when org changes happen I know Mike Mary Jo Foley's alluded to some have uh, you know swapping around of people moving about um, if you remember layoffs at Microsoft I'm not expecting well I shouldn't say I'm not expecting I haven't heard anything so I'm not like insinuating that layoffs are coming but the last round of really really big layoffs were announced in July so typically org changes and all that kind of stuff kind of materialize in July. So from an internal point of view, July is a big month, and so is June. And so look, be on the lookout for those things. And uh, obviously Microsoft's quarter coming to an end, which means we'll have earnings season is coming up here in probably about, what, three-ish weeks or so. And we will see how Microsoft is performing during that time. Uh, fun stuff. So in the latest build of Insiders, 16232, Walking Cat, as he's done correctly many, many times before, he found two references to what I believe are unannounced devices. Uh, Andromeda, which I believe is their new mobile thing that they have going on, I believe it's codenamed Andromeda. There's actually an out-of-box experience video reference. It's literally just called Andromeda OOBE Video. And so OOBE stands for out of box experience. And so that tells me this thing is getting a little closer. I had actually heard at one point that Microsoft was targeting a late summer kind of unveiling of this stuff. And I, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means internally. I don't know if that means externally. I don't quite know, but that was one date that I had heard at that time. And so that stuff is starting to materialize in the code, which is good because that means it's getting closer. And um, I think it's gonna be pretty interesting to be honest. And so the other device, which might be less enthusiastic is actually the surface hub 2 crazy here because microsoft sells these surface hubs and they told us for a while that these were like the ultimate machines and they are but they're expensive like the high-end one is 22 grand i think the other one's like eight or ten grand something like that for 55 inch i think it's eight grand and um yeah so if they're already working on version two not surprising actually now that i think about it because microsoft has sold out of these things like they were selling like crazy and so maybe the surface up Two, it may not be, look drastically different i can imagine them updating the internals right you know getting the latest intel chips in there making them a little bit thinner a little bit cooler a little bit lighter that doesn't seem too out of the ordinary and these things have been out for a while and i could honestly see them maybe coming with version two that's a little bit cheaper because they're now optimized in that build out experience but surface hub 2 references now showing up in the microsoft code which likely means it's not too far away hopefully hopefully like that and andromeda are, are materializing i'm really if you're a mobile fan andromeda i think is where you should be focusing your attention i think that's the good stuff and so Speaking of the mobile stuff, other things that have come out today, uh, Windows Central got their hands on an actual Surface Mini. And so I played with one of these things, I think it's two years ago. And so like, I'm assuming they scrapped together the parts or they found one. Um, it, it's, it's an eight inch Windows tablet. Actually, I think I, did I bring a picture of it? If I can find my mouse. Uh, yeah, here we go. So if you're watching the video feed, this is what it is. Uh, it has a cover and a little like uh, kickstand that's hold it up. 
And so one thing that Zach does not have in his image, there's actually a cover that goes on the front. If you go look at all the pictures from all that stuff, uh, you can see that there's two little slots on the bottom and actually the cover slides into that and then connects and folds up just like a type cover would. But this is an eight inch tablet and it was canceled and I, at the time I really wanted this thing, but now seeing how the market has materialized, I, I think this was the right move because think about it, which eight inch tablet is really owning the market right now? They're not. Eight inch tablets never really caught on. Apple's iPad mini, we, we don't, I can't definitively say it's not selling well, but they haven't updated it. And so Apple is just kind of letting it sit and marinate at this point, and nobody else is building 8-inch tablets. I think it's just too close to a phone and not quite good enough to be a PC or a PC replacement. And so that market just never never really caught fire, and I think this is actually a really good move on Microsoft's part. But you can go check out those images. Again, nothing, it's just an 8-inch Windows tablet. The Windows UI at that point, it was running RT, still not great. Even today, the Windows tablet interface is not great. But, um, you know, that's a device that never was, and I honestly don't think it will. If you're wanting, if you're looking at it, I was saying, man, I really wanted that. I think Andromeda, this new mobile thing that Microsoft is working on, is going to be much closer uh, to what you're going to want and use. And so I'm, I'm trying to dig up more information. on it. It's tough because it's on a very small team inside of Microsoft. And um, it's hard to get those people to talk, if you know what I mean. They don't really like to talk to me. So we got some good questions this week. I'm going to dive right in to what everyone's asking, what's on their mind. Wow, woo, 13 of them. Uh, really popped up here in the last like 20 minutes. Uh, Rob seven asks, he says, if you're going to, if you were buying a good dependable VR computer, what would it be? Good question. If I was going to buy one, I'd probably build one at this point. Um, but what you need to focus on is the graphics card more than anything else. Definitely an NVIDIA 1070 is going to be probably ideal. Um, you can run, I have a 980, I think it runs with a 970 too, but if you're going to buy a new PC, it depending, I mean, you know, price points are all over the place, but the video card is where you need to focus because that's what's driving this experience for the most part. I know that's not holistically true, but definitely get eight gigs of RAM, um, bare minimum. 16 is ideal. 16 gigs with a t NVIDIA 1070 would be like the, what I would be aiming for if I was buying a new machine. So who to buy it from? HP and Dell are all, they're all relatively about the same, to be honest. There's not really a good Surface option. Like even, I don't even think the studio, this one back here is VR ready. But I know it's got, what is it? I think a 960, I want to say. And so definitely be aware of that. But that's, that's what I would go with. 1070, 16 gigs of RAM, ideally 8 gig would probably be okay. Uh, the Zini asks, he says, with the Surface Mini just leaked, do you think there's any chance of Microsoft releasing another device in the category with up-to-date specs, Windows 10 on ARM? Um, it, yeah, they're, well, kind of. This is the Andromeda thing. Like, their, their new mobile device, whatever it is they're building, I think is going to be the closest thing to that. Um, so, kind of nail that in the podcast, but that's, that's it. Peter K says, since you guys were in HoloLens playing with HoloLens, how good does the HoloLens work in a dynamic environment? For example, to make augmented reality car navigation, it would work just fine. Um, every time I've used HoloLens, I mean, it's not like in like a static room with like white walls or anything. It's always been just out in the open. So it would work. I think it would work just fine. And the response rate and refresh rate is extremely quick. So in theory, that would work. The problem is now you got to wear the big headset and that headset does block a little bit of the view on your peripherals, which probably wouldn't be... Um, which probably wouldn't be great for driving because, uh, you know, you need to see those things coming. Uh, the one ask is, curious, what do you think of ARKit? I think ARKit is Microsoft's worst nightmare with HoloLens at this point. So 
ARKit, for those not familiar, is with iOS 11, and this allows you to do, it's it's not quite the same. So HoloLens like shoots uh, light into your eyeballs, and it's much more technically impressive. Uh, Microsoft Tech generally has a more impressive product. The problem is they don't have mass adoption of that product because it, you know, you have to buy a $1,500 device at this point. ARKit is just runs on your phone and it's neat. Like I think it's real obvious what Apple is doing here. They're taking this ARKit stuff and they're going to do all this. You're going to build out all these experiences and then you will be able to buy a headset in let's say two to three years and all that ARKit crap will just move on over to the to the headset and so they're just building out that ecosystem i think it's a really smart move especially since they have billions of these devices if you have ios 11 i definitely recommend checking it out it, it's it's neat it's not like crazy overnight revolutionary but it's just kind of neat uh steven c will asks he says uh has anyone ever found <laughs> checked for a solution in windows OS and come up for anything other than no solutions found i think what he's talking about is when something crashes it uh microsoft or Windows searches for a solution and it never does. I can't remember a time that I've ever actually had that work. I'm sure somebody out there has, but um, not me. And then he also says, he says, what is the single biggest issue with Windows 10 that you think has not been addressed? So this is extremely minor annoyance, but it just happened today and I don't know why. I think it's because I was setting up a new machine. Is that, and this isn't the biggest single thing. I'm sure there's much larger. Well, the biggest single thing is that UWP's apps crash on launch all the time for me. I'm curious if anyone else has that. My other thing is I wish the start menu live tile would sync. I know this happened in Windows 8. They turned it off because it said it didn't give a good experience, said it give a new machine if it didn't have the apps installed. I get that. But clearly, I, I would love for that to work. I, I would love for it just to be an option, right? Have it opt in, just turn it off by default. I don't know why they completely nuked it. That's what's odd to me is you have this feature, just turn it off by default. Don't get rid of like don't delete the code because I could use it on these machines. Most of the apps now, well, I shouldn't say most, I, I would say about 60% of the apps now that I use on a daily basis are, um, are UWP. So they're all going to sync up nicely. The ones that I'm missing are currently XSplit, which I'm using to do this podcast, uh, Adobe Premiere Elements, uh, which is the video editing software that I do and Chrome. I think those are the big ones. We know I don't use iTunes very much. Those are probably the three big ones that I really need to be able to go full in on UWP. I would imagine hopefully they'll get their Chrome. I have no idea. That's another can of worms. Uh, so DJ and Ken ask, he says, if Microsoft wants devs to move to UWP Centennial Bridge apps, why is Microsoft moving so slowly in this direction? I have no idea. This makes absolutely no sense. Like the biggest one to me is like, why is not Edge uh, a Centennial app? Like Microsoft, I, I, I fully agree. And it's maybe API calls or something, but you know what? Um, Microsoft, I agree. Like every single app in Windows should be should be a Centennial app or in the store. I don't understand why they're not 100% in there. It, it's, you know, it's like saying, hey devs, go do all this stuff. Port your apps to our Windows store. And then they turn around and say, yeah, we'll eventually get around to it with our own stuff. It's not worth it yet. Like it's, come on guys. Uh, the quantum fro asks, he says two questions given the review of the surface laptop what do you think do you think windows 10s has a future also do you think that microsoft will update the non-service pro line so windows 10s uh, i've asked microsoft for another surface laptop i don't know when or if i'll ever get one they sent me a surface pro but that's not really what i wanted because i don't have a windows 10s i'll get my hands on one eventually I actually use mary joe's in amsterdam for a few days so here's the thing here's the the conundrum with windows 10s Microsoft, by launching Windows 10S, says it's the most secure version of Windows, right? And so that's great. That's a good pitch. And then they go to the enterprise and say, this is the most secure version of Windows. 
um, you know, which is it? Well, Windows 10S is, I guess, more secure than what we sell, what they sell to the enterprise or, or everybody else. But do I think Windows 10S has a future? I think so. I think Microsoft is eventually just going to ram this down our throats because they have to. If Windows 10S does not take off and Microsoft can't get apps into the store, uh, Microsoft is in a lot of trouble because they need that app store for literally everything else that they do. They, they hate Windows Win32 apps at this point. And so... Does Windows 10S have a future? Yes, it's not going to go away like Windows RT because it's not as uh, hard to maintain for Microsoft. I think it's it's very minimal and their future kind of depends on it. So it will be sticking around. I'm waiting for more devices to come out, which I think, I guess maybe we'll see this fall, but they're all going to be super low end stuff. And uh, like, the, like the $200 range is going to run with Windows 10S. I would imagine Microsoft is selling Windows 10S to OEMs at a cheaper price, so they're going to want to do that. But I definitely think it does have a future. Uh, and do I think Microsoft will update the non-Surface Pro line? Uh, the non-Pro Surface line? Oh, yeah. Like, do, if you mean, like, the book uh, and the studio, definitely. Are they going to update, like, the Surface 3? I don't think they're going to update that. But, I mean, the Pro is going to get updated. The, the Surface book, will, I believe, will get updated. What I honestly think they're going to do with the Surface book is that's going to be relegated to the super high-end. So you're going to have this... The Surface laptop ranges from like $999 all the way up to $2199. Surface Pro ranges like $799 to something like that. Um, and I think the Surface Book honestly is going to start, if they're, it makes sense in my head, if they're going to start it at like $2,000 and it goes up to like $3,500. It's going to be the super premium um, device. They're going to limit the SKUs to only having dual GPUs. Uh, and basically, you're going to have different memory configurations. Because if they do what they do now with the Surface Book, it's too confusing. Like, if you if you have $1,500 to spend on a Microsoft hardware, you can get a Pro, you can get a Surface Laptop, or you can get a Book. That, that's that, There's too much overlap there. So I think they're going to shift that Book to the high end, almost like the MacBook Pro type scenario where they have, like, the, the Air, and then they have the Pro kind of sitting above that. That's what I think they're going to do with it. And if they don't, that'd be real surprising. Kadupa asks, he says, hey, Brad, I like Cortana, Cortana, but what's the point of Cortana on Android if I can't compete on features? Laggy, borderline unusable. Um, everybody's different with Cortana. Some phones, it runs great. You know, if it's running poorly, it might be your phone. I, I, without you saying what kind of hardware you have, it's really hard to tell. And I don't really use Cortana on Android. I use it on iOS quite a bit, and it's not really laggy on iOS, so... I don't know if it's hardware specific or if it's just the Android one is a piece of crap, but I would have to think that it's got to be somewhat hardware related. Team 56 asks, he says, uh, in friend view entered Windows Store, paint.net to follow soon, 7 consistently showing up on Windows on ARM demonstration. Do you think that old Windows developers are finally noticing the Windows Store and Centennial is taking off? If so, uh, what brought this change? So this is an interesting kind of thought here, is that a lot of these apps that you just mentioned are pretty old, and it's did the developers just notice the store or do they think it's better? I That's hard to tell, but I think Microsoft is probably starting to reach out directly to these people and saying, hey, we'll help you move. That would not surprise me considering how much effort Microsoft put into getting people to build Windows Phone apps by literally paying them. I, I bet they're reaching out and trying to help these developers move and showing the benefits and probably offering some exposure. Um, I don't really know what about that, what about that change. It honestly just could be time, right? This... The UWP store has been around for a while. Windows 10 adoption very well might be kind of the leading indicator of this. If you think about it, that Windows 8 didn't have great adoption. Everybody stayed on Windows 7, so you're not going to build for Windows 8 because Windows 8 was garbage and the store was garbage. And so now Windows 10 is really taking off with four or 500 million users at this point. And so by having it in the store, you 
you're really exposing, exp getting that additional exposure, and maybe that's why. And so obviously Microsoft is going to keep touting these large numbers, uh, 600, 700, 800 million, I would imagine, because it's, again, maybe these developers are seeing, okay, there really is a market in that store now. I should probably get my crap over there. And so Nick Dog asks, he says, what's in the pipeline for Groove? Uh, what do you think? So uh, Groove is going to get a mini view. Uh, I know that's coming relatively near future on the desktop. I keep poking around to figure out what the hell is the future of Groove because Microsoft does a very poor job of promoting their own music service. And I don't know why. I don't know if they have this as a simple me too, um, if they're planning on killing it. I don't know, but Microsoft does a very odd job of just advertising its own music service. And it, it's not that Groove is bad. It, it's really not. It's just, it's like they just have, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of OneNote. Microsoft had OneNote for years upon years, 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 years. And they never really pushed it anywhere. They, they kind of said, hey, it's great for education. Uh, but then about four-ish years ago, they really started pushing it. And OneNote has a massive resurgence because it's like, oh yeah, we forgot about this great asset we had. Groove feels like that. Like they have this thing and they're just kind of forgetting about it, not giving it the love that it wants. Um, and so I don't really know. Uh, Tourniquet asks us, is it worth the upgrade from a Lumia 950 to an Alcatel Idol Pro 4, which is released next week in Germany? Honestly, probably not. Um, I believe the Idol 4, which I have one. Is that this phone right here? Yeah, I've got one right here. I think this is the Idol. Yeah, Idol 4S right here. And so this is, it's a good phone. Um, you know, a couple things here. If you're hell-bent on staying on Windows Phone, this is not a bad upgrade choice. It is a little bit thinner. It's a little bit better. It does VR. Don't buy it for the VR stuff. I have the VR headset over there. It is not great. Um, if you're going to stay in the Windows world and your 950 is beat up, yeah, this is probably a good upgrade. But again, you don't know about the longevity of these things. And so it's tough. Uh, here's the thing. It's tough for me to tell someone to go buy, spend, spend their own money on Windows Phone hardware because of the Feature 2 debacle. We don't really think that there's a long-term future of this, but if you are happy with exactly the OS experience you have today and you don't need anything else and you never want more features, then you're fine. You know, go buy this phone and keep using it and you'll be happy with exactly what you have, but it's just don't buy it thinking, okay, there's gonna be something coming down the pipe in the future. I think that's gonna be um, a little tough. And so, J, uh, JL Merle asks, he says, do you use Outlook or Gmail or both? So, I use Outlook.com primarily. My primary email uh, is brad at Outlook.com. I got that one right when it launched. And so, I use Outlook.com. Now, do we use, do I use Gmail? Somewhat. Uh, so, Blue Whale Web Media Group, which is the company that runs Throt and Petri and all that, they currently use Google Apps, although we are contemplating switching over to Office 365, mostly because Paul and I are like, hey, you know, it makes more sense to use O365. And so, currently on that, it technically is Gmail, but everything, my, my primary mail app is the Windows 10 mail app. I use the Windows 10 mail app, I use uh, Windows 10 calendar app, and I use Appy Text uh, for writing. And those are like, those are all UWP apps that I use. I'm going to move Spotify over here in a little bit. And, um, you know, so I, I use all the Windows stuff like that. And I use this machine behind me all the time. That's the Insider machine. Every time a new build comes out, to download there. And um, that's, that's the, the toy, if you want to call it that. But it's a great piece of hardware. And I, I should write a long-term follow-up to that. 
And so uh, those are the questions this week, guys. It's been uh, another busy week. Next week, I think, is going to be pretty slow. Now, I say that, and I'm gonna Microsoft's going to, like, foil this somehow. But uh, July 4th is next week, which I believe is Tuesday, which is a holiday. So most people are taking off Monday and Tuesday, so they're going to have a nice long weekend. So I'm not expecting a lot of stuff to come out. I suspect it might be a little bit slow. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, middle of July-ish is Microsoft's Inspire conference in... Washington DC. I am actually not able to go. My wife is going to be traveling around that same time. And so we'd actually be overlapping. And so I'm not going to go to that, but uh, I will be covering all that information. I think Paul is going. Uh, and I know Mary Jo is going, but I, I can't personally make it. First Microsoft, com- any Microsoft conference that I've missed in a very long time. But um, so we got that going on. So there will be, will be news in the middle of the week, but although that's definitely more corporate sales things, I wonder if we'll see like Dynamics 365 updates there because it is a sales conference and kind of like a rah-rah, we love our partners type of day. And so actually, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Windows announcements uh, relating to channel partners being able to resell it and all that good stuff. And so uh, it's been another great week, guys. As always, appreciate you tuning in. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend and a great 4th of July. Be safe with those fireworks. I don't want anybody losing fingers. And we will be back. Uh, I'll be back right here next Friday. Hopefully, we'll see if I when I change up. I, I actually moved a monitor. You can't really see it. But I've added, there used to be, well, again, you can't see it. I have three monitors. I might buy another Dell 4K. So this one's a monitor, but I might unplug that one and connect another 4k so i've got two 4ks and a 1080p with the rss reader open and i moved it and it just felt like time for change in the office a little bit and that wall somebody pointed out this and hey brad that wall is a little sterile and so you know i'm moving stuff around and um i posted a picture of some of this stuff up but it's changed since then earlier in the week but as always guys have yourselves a wonderful weekend and i'll catch you right back here next week